The following is a production of the Phoenix Studios Podcast Network here at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. For more podcasts, be sure to visit uwgb.edu forward slash podcasts. This is Serious Serious Fun. Hello again and welcome to another episode of Serious Fun, our first episode of the fall 2021 season. That's what we're calling them now. I, I don't really know if we're anything approaching a regular enough release schedule to go in seasons, but we've got some good ones for you um, coming down the line here. And the first one is one that's sort of near and dear to my heart. Uh, you might not know this about me, or you certainly wouldn't be surprised to find out that one of my favorite things in the whole wide world is the Mega Man video game series, uh, released by Capcom. The first game came out in, I believe, 1987, and uh, just has been uh, this fascinating sort of multimedia juggernaut in a lot of ways uh you know this little blue robot that runs around uh you know shooting like laser plasma blasts and then getting the powers of his vanquished bosses and then using them to defeat the other bosses and a rock rock paper scissors kind of thing um really really uh compelling uh turns out to be super applicable to a lot of different genres and, and audiences and eras and um you know certainly one of my first experiences with online fandom so uh, this episode is kind of near and dear to my heart, uh, and in fact, I'm talking to a couple old pals from the early days of that Mega Man fandom, David Oxford and Nadia Oxford. They are the authors of the new book, The Mega Man X Maverick Hunter's Field Guide. Um, and if you're not familiar with Mega Man, that's okay. I think you'll still get a lot out of this episode. Um, there's some really interesting discussions about how fandom and the internet has changed, um, as well as the process of how a project like this comes together. Um, and if you are into Mega Man, I think you'll really, really enjoy a lot of what we have to talk about today. So uh, without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get things started here with Nadia and David Oxford on Serious Fun. Hello and welcome to another episode of Serious Fun, the podcast you can only download after acquiring all heart upgrades, sub-tanks, weapons, and armor, and falling down a pit three times. Yes, I had to look that up. I somehow didn't remember it. Uh, I am, as always, your host, Dr. Brian Carr. Today, thrilled to be joined. Uh, by two folks um, that we that have been acquainted with, known for a while. Um, you know, certainly we go back pretty far. Uh, Nadia and David Oxford, co-authors of the new book Mega Man X: Maverick Hunters Field Guide. Uh, as you can imagine, it's about the Mega Man series, and that's what this show is about, as well as just kind of an opportunity, I think, to talk about the fandom associated with the game. Uh, you know, the tie-in media. But also kind of broadly, because we're all sort of old heads when it comes to kind of the fandom and like the online spaces and that kind of thing. I think it'd be interesting just to talk about kind of how all of that has evolved in, in sort of the, uh, you know, we're, we're not at Web 2.0 anymore. We're in the Web 3.0 era now mm-hmm. at this point, right? If not 4. I, I forget where we're at. I mean, I, 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 I still am trying to. I, I don't know how any, I don't know how TikTok works. I see him like, okay, that's a funny. The cat did the thing, and off we yeah. go. <laughs> I, I thought I thought it was like bits, and we just kind of quit keeping track. <laughs> yeah, it's like after the sixty-four bit era. Who cares? 
yeah, we all realize that this don't mean shit. Yeah. Can we swear on this podcast? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let it. I'll allow it. It's a university podcast, but they haven't. I mean, people have sworn on here before. Nobody's cared. So, um, yeah, I'll just put I think we I think I actually have the uh, explicit tag on this or something. I don't know, but I have to go. look. I, I come automatically with an explicit tag. <laughs> just naughty is here. Just don't let the kids listen to this. Just, um, as much as they benefit from the wisdom, it's just not a good idea. No. <laughs> I, I was doing streaming on Twitch and it's like, okay, yeah, everything's like, you know, nice and clean and stuff. Then I start streaming with her and well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got the worst. Uh, well, we get into all that. Uh, Nadia is notorious for having um, one of the, uh, uh, there's like a brilliant filth to a lot of <laughs> your writing and your kind of public persona. So uh, <laughs> we can certainly my, talk some more about that. But My shining grime. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Nadia, David, welcome to Serious Fun. Very, very glad to have you here. Thank you for having us. Uh, as you said, we've been friends for a very, very long time. So it's kind of cool to just sit around and chat about something we know very well. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I always start off, you know, every time I talk to people on the show, um, I kind of borrow a, an old sort of interviewing tactic from one of my old professors, you know, give me the story, right? And so since I'm talking to both of you, you know, like, what's the Nadia Oxford story? What's the David Oxford story? Basically, what's the origin story and background that got you here? And we can talk about your other projects and everything you have going on, because you two are both very, very busy. So however you want to approach that, uh, go for it. Well, in the year 2000 X. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's more 21 XX if we're doing Mega Man X, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Was it our story or uh, their story? Well, you go, you go first. Um. Okay, in the late 20th century, I was born and no, Stop um, ah <laughs> uh, man, um, I, I don't know, like where, where where does one usually start for something like this? Oh, I'll go first. Okay, <laughs> I basically had a very normal, I suppose, childhood. Well, mostly. Um, I grew it. up with a lot of video games. I grew up my first my first system was the ColecoVision and Donkey Kong which my parents brought home from a hockey game because I live in Canada. And from there, I graduated to the NES. I was just fascinated with how good, how cool Mario looked. Like after playing Atari games, you would understand. And once the internet came out, like I went, I learned how to use it through my school. And that was the end of my life because that's when I got into the Mega Man fandom because I Googled Mega Man X3 because that had just come out. Oh God, it was very late. It was like 95, I think. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I just kind of got into the fandom from there, visited websites, did this, did that, um, wrote fan fiction, to be honest with you, ran fan sites. And uh, here I am, met my husband through my fan sites and fan works and uh, hooray, been together 20 years, 20 years. Yeah, this June, 20 years mm-hmm. this June. And um, basically, I got into games writing and I went from there. I did it for freelance for a long time. I went for US Gamer full time for several years with Read Pop. Now I'm freelance again, except somehow the podcast that Kat Bailey and I ran through US Gamer years got really popular. So we took that independent. That's on a Patreon now. That's uh, patreon.com forward slash bloodgodpod. And we talk about RPGs, Eastern, Western, old, new. Uh, Right now we're doing something called the PC Gaming Quest in which we explore the origins of PC games, PC RPGs rather. Uh, we studied uh, the, we actually constructed the Hobbit movies, sorry, not the Hobbit movies, Lord of the Rings movies along with the Hobbit. So we talked a bit about that. It's not exclusively games, but since mm-hmm. 
Lord of the Rings is so close to RPG lore. Why the hell not? No, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we do a lot of that, and we appreciate any support. I also do a Final Fantasy fourteen podcast called Charlie and Dropouts. And uh, yeah, right now I do a lot of freelance writing in between uh, the podcasting and um, do a little bit of localization. I have a the game that I worked on called Variable Variable Barricade is coming out next next week, I think. Uh, oh, sorry, really? Next, no, next year. Next <laughs> year. I was gonna say because I thought I remember you mentioned it. I'm like next week already. Wow, time. No, is next week. year. So I'm looking for more localization work. I might have a couple of things racked up, but I'm always up for whatever. Um, yeah, I'm. If people approach me with work, I usually say, sure, I'm yeah. taking it easy these days and working hard at the same time somehow. I don't know how it's, how that's possible, but it's, it's what's happening. And that's my life. <laughs> By Nadia Oxford. <laughs> David. All right. So I guess that makes it my turn. So, uh, yeah, I guess we just talked about the pertinent stuff. Yeah. So uh, born in North Carolina, uh, got into Nintendo... It was around 1988. It was oddly enough, my uh, mom's insistence because she'd like heard this thing was popular. And uh, I ended up just, well, I, I, I was, uh, how do I put this? Um, I, I wasn't interested at first because it was video games. Oh, yeah, Atari 2600. Woo! Mm-hmm. Uh, no, then came Super Mario Brothers. And then I'm, I was just immediately hooked. Got into Mega Man soon after that. Uh, then Mega Man 2 came along. It was kind of the lead up, like the hype for Mega Man 2 that was like, okay, maybe I should look at the first one. Um, and I pretty much just became a fan for life at that point. Uh, late 90s, I started discovering this thing called the internet. And that, like, I was not an anomaly. There were other people who actually did like these Mega Man games. And, uh, yeah, I started like kind of, I was probably more of a lurker of the fandom. I kind of mailed people and then I got in touch with her. Um, things happened. We got together. I moved wow. to Canada, uh, started working on some site called Mega Man Network. Yeah, sounds familiar. Uh, and uh, of course, Mega Man Outpost. Yep. And I, I, ended, I ended up like working on like a lot of different sites before like things just kind of, uh, I want to say imploded, but th- mm-hmm. there used to be a lot more different, like, you know, sites kind of like, you know, just kind of like uh, before the era of wikis, all that yeah. were, were fan sites. But once you have wikis, a lot of the fan sites just kind of shut down. Unfortunately, it's just mm-hmm. the way the Internet is. Yeah, so there was like everybody was batting each other's paws away at the news <laughs> and trying to get to it first. And yeah, things have uh, slowed down a little bit on that front. I guess I should address the elephant in the room. Mega Man Network has been down. We're trying to kind of get things going, but it's slow going. But it is coming back, uh, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, if a meteor lands or something, that might delay it. But, um, yeah. And uh, that kind of actually helped uh, propel me into discovering, hey, I actually kind of like this writing thing. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been doing more of that. I've had jobs on and off with uh, various things. I mostly freelance. I write for Nintendo Force. I've done Mega Visions, Old School Gamer, Robot Master Field Guide. It, it varies. Yeah. A little bit of Nintendo Power in there, actually, which was, you know, nice feather in my hat. So, like I said, prolific. Um, and I, I suppose uh, in, uh, in, in, the, in, 
Yeah. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, seen a lot of, as, as we all have seen a lot of different changes in, in, in the industry. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I suppose this is where I should also share a part of my own origin story that I don't normally talk about, um, in, in, uh, because I like to pretend that like prior to 2003, I didn't exist. Um, <laughs> but uh, I actually got my own start writing and, and I don't know. Okay. I was going to say it. I wrote a humor column about Mega Man. I remember for that. The original iteration of Mega Man Network. And I, I don't know if any of it holds up. I think there was at some point an archive that was floating around fairly recently. My hope is that um, it's been <laughs> just lost to the ether because that's probably the best way to go. I know that hope. <laughs> Yeah. I think we still have it, actually. Oh, it's just kind of tucked away in an archive that we haven't really been able to do anything with. Yeah, I, I will say Jeremy Parrish said it was funny, and that's about as, as good a pre- <laughs> as, as good a uh, that's as good as yeah as a yeah that's as good as praise I'm ever going to get in, in any career that I have ever, including yeah. the one I'm in now, which is academia. Um, Wait, like, you hey, did I that like column? The- I thought Dark Moogle. You did that column. I that, thought Dark yeah. Moogle did that column. Oh yeah, that's right. That was the other. God, Dark. That mysterious Moogle. man. <laughs> yeah, that was the the, the early t- late nineties, early thousands were a hell of a drug, guys. I don't recommend going back <laughs> to them. It's you know, you're in high school, you think you're in middle school, you think stuff's cool, and then it's just not. But I will say this was cool, and I got to meet you two. Um, you know, uh, you know, tangentially through that. And that yeah. was cool. And so that was, and, and like, and like David said, like, you know, you get to kind of know other people who are into the sort of the same things you are and you don't, um, and, and there is that sense of community. And I always feel, and, and this is kind of maybe diverging a little bit from the main topic here, but I always kind of felt like, you know, um, you look at how the internet is, um, you know, how, how, how disaffected people find each other on the internet now and mm-hmm. what comes of that. And I always think like, you know, there, but for the grace of God, if I didn't find like the cool Mega Man people and the cool Final Fantasy people, who knows what would have happened to a young impressionable mind on the internet back in those yeah. days. <laughs> so in a lot of ways, it's, a, it's you know, it, it's, it's really a good thing that these things, uh, you know, came into our lives and, uh, yeah, I, I wonder about the youth and how they kind of get into fandoms and stuff like that, because what do they do? They step into tw- Twitter, which is like getting swept away by a raging torrent of shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we at least had the opportunity to say, OK, here's this nice, calm fan. There's drama. Don't get me wrong. But here's this oh, nice calm fan page. Here's this nice, calm message board. But, you know, I guess kids adapt. That's what they do. Yeah. And, and you know, see, not to not to like sit there and just sort of wave our cane from the porch oh, and yeah, yeah. talk. Damn kids. Yeah. Not yeah, talk about the kids these days, but you know, because there's a lot of really great positive stuff coming out of fandoms today. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at like the K-pop fandom in particular, just the incredible stuff they're doing, you know, just like social engagement and just like, you know, you know, social justice issues and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting. We can get back into that more, but I was just kind of you know reflecting. So this is in a lot of ways for the listener, this is um, you know, sort of a a, a more personal episode in a lot of ways, I think, than than the one we're yeah. used to hearing on this show. Um, so a lot of people listening to this are going to have no idea what Mega Man is, despite my best efforts. Um, oh, you, you fail as a preacher. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually have not had an excuse to talk about Mega Man yet on this particular show. So we're going to make up for lost time here. <laughs> um, of course, it. Mega Man X doubly so. So, you know, as, as I would say, some of the foremost experts in this field, how would you describe the Mega Man sort of phenomenon um, to the uninitiated and kind of where does your book fit into that? Well, you want to go? You, you, you have an idea? You go first. Okay. How do I describe Mega Man? It's, it, it's funny because you're like, you're in academia and you're with probably a lot of younger kids and mm-hmm. um, 
Mega Man probably exists as kind of background radiation for retro gaming in general. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, here's this cool rep Mega Man shirt. I don't know, really know a lot about Mega Man. I just know he was a retro game hero. So um, I feel like Mega Man is kind of this strange limbo where Eleven was very well received, apparently the highest selling Mega Man game ever. And we haven't heard anything since except for a mysterious project that's somewhere in the future what's Rock it called? Man Tyson I think Rock and Ty- I don't know no one knows what it is it came out from the Capcom leak that was uh, where, uh, a couple of years ago I think is that where it came from? I think so yeah so yeah it's hard to say like I I think things like the book we're writing the Mega Man X uh, Maverick Hunter Fields Guide that's the stuff that's really important for fandom because uh, I'm not saying it's because I wrote it so or, of course it's important <laughs> something to keep people connected something to give them to pour over something that they could talk about. People are very excited for the book, like pre-orders. I don't know if they were good, but I do know that they were, they were quite active. Like we were what number one for a while, like on pre-orders on Amazon. That was pretty cool. Um, But as for like, how do you explain Mega Man to this day and age? It's funny because Mega Man nine in, what was that? 2006. It wasn't right. It was around uh, 2009, 10. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that kind of made like a revival where people were were getting really back onto the really tough retro games. And I think that's it's still there, but it's cooled down a little bit. And tough retro games look very different these days. Like look at Celeste, for example. Uh, that's a good example of what people are going for with the with their retro games. But I would just encourage anyone who loves good running, jumping, action shooting games to check out a Mega Man title, especially Mega Man X, the original. Because as far as I'm concerned, that is still the best action title ever made. It's pretty damn near perfect. Yeah, you can't go wrong. So if you are, hey, hey, college students, I'm an old person. You know, you want to listen to the old fogies, but play Mega Man X. You can find it very, very easily. It's on the Mega Man. It's on, sorry, it's on the SNES Classic. Um, you can find it yeah, by everywhere. ways that will make your, you know, maybe make your mommy sad because you're copying that floppy. But go ahead and do it. I just think it's worth it. So it's worth yeah. it. And if you like it, then maybe you like our book too. Or a better way to do it might just be to get Mega Man X Legacy Collection. It's on like, oh, right. literally every modern platform right now. And it helps show Capcom, hey, people are still interested in this for yeah, how, however viable that is. Too. Very true. Like if you're a, you're a PC gamer, and, and it, I cannot imagine it's a super intensive game. So even if you have a kind of low end PC, you can probably download off of Steam and play it just fine. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it was actually one of the things I, um, you know, I this this the the Switch kind of realized a dream here for me, yeah. and that I have all of the Mega Man games on one device that I can call up at any time, and you know, this is something I dreamed of. Well, not all of them. You're right. I see. I see about to point. There are still key gaps in that collection, but well, what I was going to... ever been before. Sorry, what I would just I wanted to add, actually, even if you're just stuck with like a Nintendo 3DS, like mm-hmm. I guess it's last generation's handheld now, technically, I believe it's on the uh, like virtual console. Like if you can run the Super NES games on the new Nintendo 3DS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even if you want to just buy that one game, you can get that on there. So it's it, it, it's around pretty well. Yeah. So I rescind what I said about copying that floppy. Don't copy that floppy. Buy the game legitimately because I totally forgot about the legacy collection. It's on Switch. It's on everything. And it's- Really good price for some really great games. Yeah. yeah. I think and, there's uh, also an iOS version. Don't play it on there. No. Do not play these games with a touch screen. No. We'll get into that in a minute. But. And I just wanted to say, like, you know, if you're like a really beginner with Mega Man, like completely, Mega Man 11 isn't a bad place to start because it has like several difficulty modes, including like some really easy. Yeah. So if you really want to just dip your toe in, that's a good place too. 
So here's here's the thing about Mega Man 11, and I and I I say this recognizing that I'm I'm not sure we like we'll we'll have to kind of still tease out what exactly this is to folks who don't know. But I got I got to say, so I was listening to uh, Retronauts, one of the other fine podcasts yeah. on which Nadia appears, and you were ranking all the Mega Man games. And just as a personal <laughs> note, the slander against Mega Man 11 just really made me sad because I thought that yeah. was a pretty solid Mega Man game. Parish Jeremy Parish the uh, the who runs Retronauts and to whom I own pretty much my entire career because he was the one who mentored me when I was starting out as a games writer. Um, he he seemed to really not like Mega Man Eleven, and I forgot who I was with on that episode, but I know Bob Mackey. I don't think is a big is a big fan, and I was game. like, Mega Man Eleven is a good game. It's different, yeah, but it's yeah. for another generation. Like yeah. like David was just saying. I mean, I like the idea of like, you know, the, the things that let you speed up and slow down yeah. time. And that, that's fun. That's good stuff. No, I really um, enjoyed it. Yeah. And you don't have to use it if you don't want to. Yeah. Well, so, you know, I, this is um, so. So Mega Man's actually um, and this is where I'll plug my own work for half a second. I actually wrote a chapter in the 100 Greatest Video Game Characters book that came out. And I don't remember who published it or edited it because I'm really, really bad at promoting my own stuff, apparently. Um, <laughs> I but, I, but I wrote a chapter about um, Mega Man mm-hmm. as sort of a, a meme concept and not meme in the way that we understand it in terms of like, you know, macro text on images and that kind of thing, yeah. but rather something that replicates and sort of mutates ideas or language or whatever that mutate and replicate over time. And that's really what this character is. And as I was talking about, um, uh, you know, preparing for this, I'm, I was talking with, a, uh, with a, a mutual friend of ours, Steve Watts over at uh, GameSpot. Um, and uh, he says hi, <laughs> but uh, uh, but he pointed out that you know Mega Man is one of those concepts. You know, this is a, a the the fundamental idea of Mega Man is you are a little robot, or in the case of Mega Man X, like a taller, more adolescent robot <laughs> um, who has a you know laser gun. You know, it's plasma. Okay, but, but you, you get Close the idea. Pew, 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 pew. Um, you know, uh, and you're fighting uh, different robots, uh, and the robots have different powers, and you use those powers against the other. It's like a rock, paper, scissors kind of thing. And then, of course, we get all the lore, like how Mega Man X basically bites Blade Runner as hard as something possibly can while still being <laughs> legally distinct from Blade Runner. Um, yes. But, uh, you know, we have a character who has shown up in, uh, you know, obviously the platformers are kind of the 2D platformer classic sort of retro style games. You know, we have the 3D games like the late lamented Mega Man Legends, which I've just had. I've only recently, like in the last year, made my peace with that. It's probably never coming back. But that was kind of, you know, but, you know, uh, it's it was also an evolution that's concept to a moment in time. We have the Pokemon riffs with Mega Man Battle Network. Um and of course, we're talking about this book. I don't I don't remember. I think we're like a week or two out uh, removed from the North American release of Mega Man X Dive, which is a mobile version of the game um, wherein you can spend real world money because that's what you do um, yeah. to buy different characters and use them in a fairly decent approximation of the Mega Man gameplay. If you're not playing on a touchscreen, in which case it becomes just a sloppy mess, like a gorilla yeah. trying to do brain surgery with <laughs> oven mitts on. Um, and so, you know, this is a character who's endured for a long, long time since like what, 1987. That yes. sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Is it, I know his anniversary was not that long ago. So, um, so why do you think the character endures so well and, and what makes him portable across all these different incarnations? I think part of it is, so, sorry to kind of uh, run contrary to what you're saying is, uh, but I think a good part of it is actually that it's not one character, but most different Mega Mans are different characters. True. So you don't have to do like 
there's probably like over a hundred Mega Man games, I think, like through various permutations, releases, ports, etc. Uh, and it's like to play Mega Man X, you don't have to know the original Mega Man. To play Legends, you don't have to know X or the original. You'll you'll get some extra, you know, like oh hey, I recognize that kind of thing. Like you know, maybe like little winks or nods or references. But um, a lot of it is more self-contained, uh, some of it more than others, like Battle Network. That was for a whole new generation. And if you'd never touched a Mega Man game before that, you were still good to go. Mm-hmm. So I think that ability to kind of evolve and have different incarnations has helped them endure. There, there was even a recent uh, cartoon one, uh, Mega Man Fully Charged, which, you know, at first there was a lot of pushback on it because they were just calling it Mega Man. And it's like, well, that's not Mega Man. They had the subtitle and some people, not everyone, but some people kind of softened on it. It's like, okay, yeah, you're kind of setting this up as its own thing. This is a different guy. We can, you know, maybe not be as hard on it. But Yeah, I think uh, what David said has a, is a pretty big thing because especially in the case of Mega Man Legends, where uh, this was the era where a lot of mascots were going from 2D to 3D and failing utterly. So Mega Man's separation, I think, was insurance in case everything mm-hmm. flopped. And if Mega Man Legends had flopped then and he had just been starred the original Mega Man, people would say, well, Mega Man sucks. He really ruined himself when he went into 3D. But Mega Man Legends, of course, was very charming. It was very good. And uh, that Mega Man endured from there on anyway. But I think also when you look at the base figure, like the Mega Man, say maybe people know him best from Smash, I think that the universal kind of Astro Boy look to him is a very, very shonen hero, which is like very tailored to... Uh, be very attractive to people who like, you know, action and, and cute things and whatever, like uh, the stuff you'd find in, like Dragon Ball, for example. Mm-hmm. So he has a very simple but very elegant design, like just like that blue, uh, which of course he was mostly blue because that was the color palette was on the NES. It had more blue than anything else. And that he's just kind of come from that pixely style to a more modern style with no problem at all, like because he was so simple to begin with and now he looks so compelling. Uh, that's why I think I never liked... Uh, just to kind of go on a tangent here, Keiji Inafune, one of the people behind Mega Man, like infamously broke off from Capcom <laughs> and did uh, Mighty Number no. Nine through a Kickstarter. And that's a whole other thing. We're not going to get that's into that's a whole like, other podcast, like to get into podcast. the weeds on that one. Wow. <laughs> the point is, though, that he designed his own version of Mega Man for this universe. And I never liked it because it was so overcomplicated. He looked like the Michelin Tire Man on like drugs or something like he hadn't had sleep in years. And I was just like, that's a really, really unattractive character to look like. I don't like the colors. I don't like the design. Mega Man just has a really nice uniformity to him that I think anyone of any age can look at him and say, Hey, that's a cool character. I wouldn't mind him on my t-shirt, whether I know who he is or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's definitely something to that. And, and like you referenced, I mean, this is a character heavily, heavily influenced by, you know, specific other forms of media in this case, Astro Boy and Zama yeah. Um, you know, and, and certainly, you know, you look at every iteration of Mega Man and it draws from different sort of cultural influences like, you know, Astro Boy in the original Blade Runner and X, you know, and um, I, I'm just going to say because I'm not an expert on, on Miyazaki, but you, there's a heavy sort of Hayao Miyazaki influence in Legends with like, you know, especially with like the airships and the yeah, water the and the cutesy characters. And stuff, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's um, and there's a name like it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't remember. Um, is it Nausicaa? That's not Miyazaki. There's a... Uh, when you're looking at legends, you see, you see like uh, castles in the sky. Nausicaa, yeah, that's it. Yep. And yep. there was one other. Uh, I can't remember what I'm thinking of, but yeah, it definitely has that Miyazaki influence. Yeah, and and you know, the, and so they all kind of do their own thing with it. 
Um, and it's just interesting to kind of see how that character, and then, you know, they also can put them in a different context, right? You have them show yeah. up in the, uh, Marvel versus Capcom games. You have them show up, uh, in the, you know, all the other versus games because the legends version shows up in Capcom versus Tatsunoko or the Tatsunoko versus game. Capcom. Yeah, yeah it's, a neat, it's really neat. Like even not knowing who half the roster was, I'm like, this is fun. I like this. And making the fact that it, it came out, I was like, there's no way this is coming out, you know, like getting yeah. localized because that's localization hell right there. Just copyrights everywhere scattered to the wind. And I'm like, holy shit, they did it. Yeah. It was zero. And they added zero. Yeah. And like, you know, and they did a Wii fighting game, like a head to head fighting game on the Wii. And they somehow right. put that out. And it's like, you know, give them credit for at least doing that because on paper, that's an incredibly huge waste of money. Like, yeah. nobody's going to play. Everything every, that you're right, that is like the dictionary definition of how to waste money. But how to yeah. waste money makes fans happy. That's what, that's what it was all about. The right. thing that and, always bugged me about Tetsunoku versus Capcom is people are like, oh, I don't know who these characters are. Go back to 1991 and tell me mm-hmm. who the hell Colonel, well, sorry, just Guile or. Uh, yeah. Ryu or Ken or Vega or any of those guys are. You don't right. know. You play to find out. That's yeah. kind of the point. This is right. supposed to help introduce people. Yeah, yeah. it's like I've I never watched play. a Gotcha Man, but I know like, okay, cool. That's that's the guy from Gotcha Man. Awesome. Yeah. Like that's that's the guy. And I hate him because he just knocked me out. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um I don't know who the giant gold lighter is. I know his name is Gold Lighten, and who cares? He's a giant gold like a Zippo lighter that turns into a giant freaking robot. Yeah. What more do you need to know? <laughs> right. And, and, and at their core, that's what makes video games great. Especially yeah. like, it's just like, well, I don't know what this is, but it's neat. So I'm just going to roll with it. Um, and, and I feel like in, in an age now where everything has to be explained and there has mm-hmm. to be like just, you know, uh, years of continuity and, um, you know, marketability and focus groups behind everything. Um, we've kind of lost a lot of that. And I think even like you see in the indie space, a lot of games are just kind of coming out saying, well, you know, this has already worked or this is based on a property people already know. And yeah. it's it's just not, well, we, we, you kind of lose that. And, you know, because like Tatsunoko versus Capcom, you know, now that I'm kind of talking through, it kind of feels like sort of a throwback, like those old days of like the old NES games where they would take, you know, characters or, or games based on like um, something that was obscure in America, obviously hugely known in like Japan, uh, for yeah. instance, or even Europe in some cases, but completely obscure in America. And then it's like, OK, we're going to put this game out and we might tweak it slightly. You know, we'll turn the ninja into a surfer guy or whatever. And <laughs> um, then it turns out like, oh, I love this game. And then you go and you find out like, oh, OK, why is this like this? Like, why are the characters drawn yeah, like this? Yeah. Because they didn't often go in and like tweak the actual art in the game, just the name of the game and the, bo- and the box art. Um, so you're like, why does it look like this? And you, it's kind of your gateway into this whole other kind of world and culture that, you know, for a lot of kids living in like the, the 80s and, and early to mid 90s, you just didn't have access to. Yeah, no, it's definitely there's a culture of discoverability that we don't really have anymore, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the fact that I can talk to game developers and I have. I can talk to them directly and we can have a relationship about like, you know, either like friendship or hell, you know, hey, would you like to have an interview with me? Mm-hmm. But in the olden days, it was so much more mysterious. Like, who is this character? Like, there's always a Mega Man X art coming over from Japan and nobody knew what it was, but it was just mm-hmm. fun to, to speculate and to deconstruct. People love, love, love to deconstruct on social media now. That's all they do. I mean, the Spider-Man trailer went up the other day and there's a 10 million yeah. YouTube videos already like saying, looking at every single detail. And it's not bad. It's just the way things are now. And I do feel kind of bad, though, that kids don't have like the, say, the, the utter mystery of playing mm-hmm. Mario 3 and being like, why is Mario a raccoon? What is the reasoning behind that? And then you 
find out years later about like Japan and the Tanuki and the legends behind that. And, oh, yeah. okay. So it wasn't some random thing they decided to do. It was actually had a reason behind it. And it was, it was kind of neat to have those moments. And you have less of them these days. Did you know that Super Mario Brothers 2 was originally a game called Doki? I'm stopping that. Yes, <laughs> I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's interesting because like you bring up a good example with the Spider-Man trailer because I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man's like my my like top two all time favorite fictional character. And yeah. he's probably he's he's not number two. Um, and even I'm just kind of like, OK, I'm sick of it. I, I, I just I don't like like we like there's just this like kind of constant hype cycle that just has to come yeah. out and instead but instead like you know and, and there was back in the day like be like okay what's this guy's deal like what's this you know like you know, like the early days in the Mega Man fandom like like you yeah. said you get like this art and these information on these games out of Japan and they get like passed around the IRC channels and, and the yes. message boards and all that kind of stuff. oh man IRC is a whole other podcast too yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the stuff would get passed around you're like trying to puzzle out like oh is this so and so like is this guy related mm. to Dynamo you know and just yeah. kind of like and so it was more about speculation as opposed to trying to like puzzle out and game out where everything was going to fit and all that. And I exactly. just, our, the media infrastructure, I think is just so different on like for all forms of media, not just, you know, movies and TV, but games as well. Um, that we're all just trying to, you know, be like, you know, game out the kayfabe of it all. Like, okay, where are they working us toward? Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. The last like really great mystery. I think that we had for Mega Man like that was, uh, well, besides people arguing whether Mega Man 9 was real or not, because that had been going on for long enough, was uh, I remember, like, I think it was some magazine screenshots that had been scanned of Rockman Zero. And it's like, OK, there's a character named Zero, but mm -hmm. Capcom likes to use Zero as like a prequel thing. But what would this be a prequel to? Is that Zero? He's got the hair, but he sure doesn't look like Zero. And that was a good day or two of like, you know, speculation before like something yeah. else came out mm -hmm. and confirmed it. Yeah. And so let's let's talk about um, this. You know, like, obviously, there's a lot of information and kind of uh, things. So let's let's start off um, and, and maybe kind of weave the book in here a little bit. Um, you know, so this is the second of these field guides you two have written. Um, the first was about the original series, Mega Man um, and the Robot Masters, who are the bosses that sort of like, you know, there's like usually eight. Nine. No, eight. Eight of them <laughs> per game. Except for the first one, which has six. And also, like, there's probably another one that only has six, but let's not split hairs too much here. Um, so you have a and powered up. They added two more. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Powered oh. up was so good. Why? That's one I really wish they'd re-release <laughs> because, you know, what? I'll just be honest. They aren't going to get they're not going to give them money for it. So I have a version of that on my homebrew enabled Vita. That's the only way I can yeah. play that game right now. No, um, absolutely. Get I on it, Capcom. Thing. Drop it on Steam mystery. or something. Biggest mystery to me is PSP wasn't doing so hot at first. People would release Grand Theft Autos and your like Ratchet and Clank and Jack and Daxter spinoffs. And then they put, just put it on the PS2. And Capcom mm -hmm. was just like, eh, we're not going to do that. So how did this project come about? Like how, you know, um, you know, this is obviously the second one you've done. So how did these things come about and how did you get involved in doing this? Well, you're the one who started with the Robot Master Field Guide. I don't remember. Do you remember? Gosh, it's been so long now. It's been about 10 years, give or mm -hmm. take, heading on. Uh, I just remember uh, Matt Moylan, a managing editor at Udon and a friend of mine. We go back and uh, he, uh, he just kind of approached me uh, uh, one day, I believe, and was just kind of uh, threw the idea of the field guide at me. And it was like, yeah, you want to do it? And it's like, sure. 
Does it pay? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. Does it pay? Um, yeah, so we did that. Apparently, it sold well. I think actually mm-hmm. it did well at, uh, in book fairs in particular. Mm-hmm. A- yeah, there was a scholastic run that, uh, like, there was a separate one. I, I forget the numbers on that, but as far as I know, it did pretty well. It's uh, been through a few different uh, versions. The most recent, I forget if it's a hardback or not, like the new one, but um, there's like I think, like I, think I looked it up, and it, there is a hardcover one that's the one that comes up first on Amazon right now. And yes, I know it's Amazon, but you know, that's where most people are shopping. So, one of the coolest things was, um, sorry, I just, uh, Kat just messaged me. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> just blinked away. So, uh, one of the coolest things that happened to me was, um, I was covering packs, whatever. I don't remember what year it was. And I went into a, a meeting room where my editor-in-chief, Kat Bailey, was interviewing the creator of Shovel Knight. And I'm mm-hmm. so stupid. I can't remember his name. He's the head of Yacht Club Games. And Kat introduces me and says, oh, yeah, she wrote, uh, helped write the Mega Man Field Guide. And he said, yeah, we have like seven copies of that over <laughs> at Yacht Club Games. Oh, so, yeah, the people who did Shovel Knight, like my, they liked our stuff. That does not surprise me. Because um, yeah. considering how much... Um, is, is it Sean Velasco who you're thinking of? That's it. Yeah. 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 Um, considering how much that team was heavily influenced by Mega Man, probably more than anything else. Um, well, DuckTales, there's a lot of DuckTales. Any yeah, um, actually, uh, I, I had them, uh, when I, back when I was teaching uh, a version of my survey of gaming class back at the university of Oklahoma, Ooh. um, and they were still working on developing that game. They actually spoke to my class. It was pretty great. That's nice. pretty cool. Yeah. All-time teacher moment for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so if you're listening, thanks, guys and gals. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, so then the X one comes along, obviously, because of the success of the first one. And so they yeah. just come right back to you and say, you want to do it again? Yeah, but we had been planning the S guide for a long time. And I think it got delayed, delayed, COVID delayed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we finally got down to it. And yeah, this time I contributed, I contributed more than I did in the past book. David still wrote the bulk of it. But this one, would you say, is more more narrative? Like it talks more about the characters that it port that it uh, profiles. Yeah, there, there was one one thing I kind of saw, like, you know, um, with the, uh, the, the this is something I was really pushed for with this version of the book is the first one was very. Um, I don't know if I'd say dry necessarily, but it was very factual. And that's not to say this one isn't, but I wanted it to kind of feel like people were like, oh, I can just look this up on Wikipedia. Why do I need to, why do I need to buy a book? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, are you a fan or not? But no, seriously. Um, it's, uh, I, I tried to make this one a little more like in universe. Uh, I didn't get to go quite as far as I wanted with it. And uh, from what I've been told, that's probably for the best, but um, from editors and her alike, but um, basically I, I wanted to kind of give the idea that like, you know, okay, you are a Maverick hunter. This is your field guide. This is what you need to know. And t- talking about it from a more in universe kind of context. And uh, that, that was basically just like from the go uh, as soon as I was like, you know, kind of, in charge of it to try to make it try to make it work like that and i took basically all the all the good (laughs) every i was like who are you gonna write about okay well i want zero i want wheel gator (laughs) i want dynamo uh you'll probably recognize my right if you know my writing you'll you'll probably recognize who i wrote when you see it because she's like i want all the good ones yeah Yeah. (laughs) who did chill penguin that's the one i'm most concerned about uh chill penguin was actually i believe the very first entry i wrote 
Goss, awesome. Yeah, Chill Penguin showed up a lot in those humor columns. I remember he spent a lot of time in hot tubs and such, I think, if I recall correctly. <laughs> um, hey, on that note, uh, have you seen his alternate outfit in uh, X-Dive? I haven't. I'm going to look this up now. Oh, please do. Um, Chill Penguin it's, X-Dive. It's like a summer outfit or something, some summer event. Um, summer. Oh, my. Oh, wow. <laughs> He's got... <laughs> So if this obviously this doesn't play great in audio, but um, imagine like a stocky robot penguin with watermelon patterned armor <laughs> and a lay around his neck and little sun or little pineapples on his sunglasses. Zoom in I, on the sunglasses. How much does it cost to get this? Because I'm afraid uh, I'm going to go down a very dark path here soon. Oh yeah, <laughs> the problem with X with Rockman X die is that his gotcha is real bad. Like I. Uh-huh. I used to review a lot of mobile games, so I became very familiar with whether or not a gotcha was straight up ripping you off or just, mm-hmm. you know, lightly ripping you off. And no, Dive is just bad. Like, I can't get anything. I, yeah. I haven't even really played yet. I know that it's been out for like maybe a year or so in Taiwan, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an old event outfit. I don't think we have that one here yet. I could be wrong. I have heard the uh, pull rates are worse in the States, but I can't really speak to that one way or the other. Either way, yeah. Yeah, yeah, zoom in on the sunglasses if you still have that up. Yeah, I see his eyes. um, And then I got the little pineapples. Am I missing something else? Oh, okay. I thought I could have sworn he had reflections of some of the other characters in there. No, I I just see his eyes. But, you know, maybe they, if I get really close, like here's one that's all the way zoomed in. Okay. I I, I thought, thought, yeah. Oh, no. Okay. That's a different thing. Okay. Okay. Someone photoshopped that one. I'm not going to discuss it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I got- it's always always risky doing image searches live anyway um <laughs> so doing image searches yeah just period yeah it's interesting you mentioned that because um you know i i have been playing this a little bit um you know I think you know it's basically I will say unplayable unless you manage to set up a gamepad, and then it becomes a yeah. competent Mega Man game, not a great one, but a competent enough one where it's like I can see myself coming back to this now and then. Um, Are you playing it on Android or iPhone? Uh, I have it it's set up on my iPad primarily right now. Um, I have it on my iPhone, but I haven't set the gamepad up on there yet, and that's the next step. Okay, yeah. I heard Apple didn't have controller support, so I didn't even bother yet. So they do, but it's really. <sighs> This, this, I mean, I don't know how interesting this is, people listening, but the point. So, all right. So it's super kludgy. Like you have to like tap an on-screen button, then hit the corresponding button on the gamepad. And they don't really lay out which buttons mm. do what. And you kind of just have to like use your understanding of the screen because it's all like the on-screen buttons that you have to tap. So you have to like kind of figure out, okay, well, this button corresponds to this attack or, you know, it, it's not great. Right. Um, but once you have it set up, it's like, OK, this is a much more playable game than it was before, which is really the point. Um, okay. But yeah, this is about it coming to Steam with controller support. So see, that would be a dangerous thing for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, yeah, um, especially with like the Steam Deck coming and all that, I would probably cease to be. Um, I, I my own dark past with these kind of games. I don't want to get into it. Um, suffice to say, I probably spent more money than I wish I had on Marvel Future Fight and a few other games. And mm-hmm. this is so tailored down the middle. I mean, they've got Chill Penguin dressed up like a watermelon. Like this is <laughs> this is dangerous. This is extremely <laughs> dangerous uh, material. Um, to the danger zone. Yeah. So, um, you know, 
you mentioned that, you know, you, you kind of like you wrote this in sort of this uh, in universe style, Dave, and I can totally kind of, you know, and, and I think that Mega Man X is just lends itself so well that because there is some really rich lore that if you really want to dig into it, there's some pretty good stuff in there. Um, but, you know, when you're writing this, obviously, you know, a lot of this, you know, you're dealing with intellectual property that is owned by a fairly large company. I mean, Capcom is not mm. like a conglomerate on the scale of a lot of other companies, but they're not small potatoes either. No. So um, you know, when you write this, how closely are you working with those license holders? Do you have to get approval on things? Uh, and, you know, were there, was there anything where you're like, OK, we can include that or we can't include that? You know better than I would. Oh, boy. So, yeah, I tried to get some help on some things. Uh, I w- didn't really hear back like um, Zero's whole um, like uh, ability to like, you know, adapt moves and weapons and stuff. I think it's got like three different names or so between like the English and Japanese versions, depending on where you look. And I'm like, OK, what should we call this? And what is Axel's version called? And I didn't really hear back. So I just incorporated what I could as best as I could there. I checked with some other folks who uh, might have a little more intimate knowledge of it, uh, like um, uh, uh, Coben 20. He, he was yeah. a big help. And uh, but from Capcom themselves, not a whole lot. Um, so basically, I, I just we wrote and we sent it in as I don't know of any changes, uh, but as far as I know, they uh, went over and approved everything. Um, I will say, though, that um, on the Udon level, I, I wanted to include more because of Dive and like that's got elements and um, there's other stuff. There's mega missions, the those uh, cards in Japan that tell a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's th- th- this is the great irony. I wanted to include X Kai, and I was told like let's hold off on that for now because at the time he was just a uh, figure. He's this uh, black and gold uh, repaint of the True Force figure that I think Capcom if I'm not mistaken, came up with a lore where he's a fourth X hunter and all this stuff. And now he's showing up in uh, Rockman X dive in the Taiwan version. Like he just came out. Um, I, I incorporated whatever bits of lore I could from the uh, Taiwanese version, like mm-hmm. running it through uh proto dude and shadow rock CX and go and just like making sure that everything was on the up and up. Like it didn't seem like Capcom Taiwan was just pulling anything out of their butt, but uh, any things like an attack name or like, I think there was a thing explaining why Bit doesn't use his shield in X3. Uh, anything like that, I'd grab and I'd shove in there, but I couldn't really use actual like original to dive elements as much as I wanted to, which makes it so funny that it's coming out here weeks apart from the book. And I wish we'd been able to kind of coordinate it, make it kind of sync up better, but uh, it just wasn't to be. We, it's just basically the core games right now. And that's basically it. Um, well, I say the core games, uh, I, I should establish that to mean like the uh, numbered games and command mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a lot of command mission in there. And of course the two Game Boy games. So that whole, uh, kind of, you know, core canon as it were is, uh, what we're working with there. I would love to do an updated version at some point that does incorporate dive, maybe, uh, switch things from, uh, it being like, Hey, you're a new Maverick hunter to welcome to the deep log. You know, this is where they really got to change that freaking name. <laughs> I'm not a fan. To be honest. Deep log. I, there was one thing I wanted to change Capcom. One thing and you didn't change it. 
it'd be a little tricky to do that because they do include other Mega Man universes, but I don't know. It's, it's something that I've got in mind in case we end up doing some other revision type work or updates or whatever. Yeah. But uh, hopefully at some point we can get X-Kai and maybe some of the other guys in there, but yeah, I wasn't even aware of X-Kai. I just, I just looked him up as you were, as you were uh, telling that story and yeah, they got a lot of mileage out of just recoloring Mega Man, um, yeah. <laughs> which is such a Capcom no move. <laughs> True Force, as far as I know, I think they only got the license to do uh, that one X figure. I think they had some other ideas and stuff they want to do. There's a, a similar version of Zero that's had art. There's mm-hmm. a uh, mobile uh, tax cycle or ride no. chaser. What, Tango. Whatever you want to call it. Get down. Sorry, cat. Oh, that's all right. If uh, my cat's downstairs, otherwise you'd see her nosing around the camera too. Oh, um, but yeah, there, there was like some other stuff they'd done that, as far as I know, I think they wanted to do toys of, but for whatever reason, it didn't pan out. Uh, Capcom's used it in their games, but uh, they made the most of being able to use that one X mold they made with like four or five different color versions. Indeed. So. I mean, you know, if that's you got to do what you got to do. And, and, you know, we action figure variants, a whole other episode. So okay. um, <laughs> just on this you know. one conversation, I've got like an entire, like, you know, semester of shows now. It's just branching off. Yeah. Maybe has his fingers in a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, I will tell you, I have looked at that True Force uh, Mega Man X and just had arguments with myself like you don't you don't need this brian you have a shelf full of mega mans you can't really see it but i've got one up behind me and um you don't need it but on the other hand i do i do very much so i feel um, as far as the basic x goes it's like the last x you ever really need that, that's, yeah, that's it, how i kind of feel that's anyway. that's kind of what i was thinking it's like oh, i won't need another one of these if i ever come put one else out but anyway um it's it's not on sale on big bad toy store anymore so that that took out some of the temptation anyway <laughs> I guess he got sold out. That's always your yeah. It's, I'm sure I could probably get him elsewhere for a lot more money, but uh, I'm I'm good for now. But the the urge will probably come up again at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, obviously we all come from this kind of like you know similar time when it comes to the development of Mega Man fandom. You know, the uh, sort of like I want to say like you know, there's probably like a couple of year gaps or something like that. But you know, we we're all fairly aware like early on of the internet. Um, and kind of like those early days of like how video game fandom went from being a thing that you just had, or maybe like talked about with your friends in the playground to here's this thing that I like, and I can share with people all around the world. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so I'm, I'm kind of thinking just like if you had any other thoughts and just how this notion of fandom, you know, cause now we have like, we can write entire books about yeah. these things and sell them in stores and people will buy them and they're, they're buying them. As you, as you said, my copy of the, the Mega Man X guide is actually I got a shipping notic- notification that it's on its way to me now. Nice. Um, so uh, I think a couple days early, which is awesome. Um, so you know, how has our relationship ch- with the fandom and, and with these, these games changed in part as the industry has kind of become sort of a bigger, more quote unquote respectable thing? Uh, it ties back a little bit to what I said earlier about how in those olden days of the internet, say, oh God, late nine, like nineties, right up to like, maybe even uh, through the, the aughts, there was a lot more separation between countries, ironically, even though we were all talking to each other. But back then, um, you still didn't get a lot of interaction from Japan. So we were all loving these, these like fans, fandoms from like, you know, Final Fantasy, Mega Man, and we still didn't know a lot about them. And that has changed a lot. Obviously, we just talked about how the age of discovery is kind of gone. 
whatever we want is right there. You can, people can disassemble games and find like the absolute truth in there of like whether or not certain rumors exist. And so it kind of puts those to death. Like Eris is not coming back. I think we all have, we all well, have. Well, a well, hang on. Yes. <laughs> Because they, they, speaking of this whole sort of like metatextual kind of world where we're all like not only innately where it's going on, but also the companies know we're innately where it's going on. We just had a Final Fantasy VII remake that right. I think we're past the spoiler limitations now at this point. Basically says everything you thought happened in the first game. Forget it. You don't know anything because we're going to just completely it's a new timeline. They're going to do something real weird with Eris's death. They're going to make her explode into fireworks or something. It can't be normal. I don't, don't, but it's weird because like now, and this has nothing to do with the main topic, but now I'm like, you know, before I'm like, Eris, she dies, whatever, you know, it's, I didn't really care. But now I'm like, if anything happens to this person, right. I am going to, you know, call squares hotline and complain. (laughs) because like, this is because they really, just rewrote her to be just a much more interesting and complete character in this game. Yes. But, um, but yeah, so anyway, um, but yeah, we, like you said, we used to know all this stuff. Um, yeah. You're talking about something weird going on there. Now I'm just imagining it's like, okay, sword goes in and then she just like color kind of melds together and she just like shapeshifts like T1000, like until she's facing Sephiroth and then just goes up and starts wailing on him. I thought you said you're going to get stabbed and confetti will come out. I, or or here's here's this one, Eris is Sephiroth. Yeah, I had considered that she stabs him, and yeah, Sephiroth. I considered that Sephiroth. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, and you know, I know you do a lot of stuff with fan fiction, in particular Nadia, and yes. um, you know, it used to be fan fiction like you had to put that up on your fan site. You had to put that up, um, you know. Uh, or you might have like uh, to go really far back. You might have like a Fritz Frondorf or somebody who has like, you know, uh, fan fiction archives and nobody listening is going to know any of these. Cause these are like names that were like exclusive. If you were in when like you say certain... that name, is that Icy Brian? Cause I know Icy Brian's fanfic archive is still all there. No, it's the a different guy. I think Fritz wrote most of his own stuff. Um, right. I don't know how much he, and, and maybe Icy Brian like collected a lot of others and put yeah, it he up. collected a lot. Yeah. And, but now of course we have stuff like we had fan fiction, um, but.net um, we have, yeah, it, it, it kind of started like when I started, um, I handed off my chapters to uh, a guy who called himself proto man. So that really narrows it down. Yeah. And he had the proto man <laughs> homepage and like, he'd put things up <laughs> chapter by chapter. Like, Oh, look at this amazing fan fiction. Cause it was like really bad, but it was kind of funny because, it was so bad so that gradually changed like from people handling their own archives which a lot of people gave up on because that was a lot of work uh people would hand you like a mess of 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 text and you would hmlize it yourself Mm -hmm. put that up yourself so that gave way to fanfiction.net as you said which really came around like around 2000 and that gave way to more live journal and um archive of our own because Fanfiction.net said, uh, you can't put anything explicit up here anymore. So, of course, whenever you say no more titties, everyone's going to have an exodus. So everyone kind of did the exodus to Fanfiction.net. Uh, sorry, to uh, AOA3. And that's still a great archive. It's still around. It's still very active. Mm-hmm. And then they have like, you know, but also is interesting is that, you know, it's not just I'm writing this for other people to consume, right? You look at like the early Henry Jenkins stuff where he talks about transmedia and, and, and textual yeah. poaching. It's like, you know, I, I took this and I'm writing, you know, Star Trek slash fiction or what I took this and do my own thing with it. Um, and certainly that has like a lot of effect for fans who might not see themselves or what they want represented in the media. Now they get to create it. 
but what's interesting is that now we go further and you have like entire like role-playing communities on Tumblr mm-hmm. and Twitter, you know, you have uh, people creating their own like fan trailers and stuff on YouTube and kind of going and like creating their own sort of like, um, you know, uh, I think about like the, uh, um, you know, Gary's mod and like the, uh, yeah. um, you know, they, where they take the character models and they can use them to tell their own stories and that you red versus McKinema. Why McKinema, obviously, um, you know, uh, and so I just, it's just kind of interesting to like, um, you know, are, are we, is you, would you say it's kind of like the same sort of spirit kind of animating that, or are we kind of going beyond that where it's not just, Hey, I'm taking this thing. I know somebody else created and doing my own thing with it. And more of like, Hey, this is now my thing. Um, that's an interesting question. I do know that I started writing fan fiction or the Mario fan fiction in grade six and that was kind of funny because it was just like a, a story where the princess ends up rescuing herself because the Mario Mario brothers can't do anything except fight with each other. And that wasn't even that was way, way before the Internet. I typed that on a Mac Plus with Claris Works and I kind of read it out to my class and they thought it was funny. That was how I kind of shared my first love for Mario and Luigi, because frankly, I couldn't get an NES. My parents like, you know, couldn't afford it. So I just kind of lived mm-hmm. vicariously through everyone else's uh, NESs and said, I watched a deep cartoon and said, this sucks. So I bet I could write something better. And I, <laughs> and no doubt I mean, you could. <laughs> so I wrote that, which would never go on any, any television that God created because it's so terrible. And yeah, uh, YouTube. it's just funny how fandom has kind of evolved and people say in a way, this is mine. And mm-hmm. in some ways it's fantastic. Like I love, like you said, the machinima stuff, the, the fan art, the fanfics, like it's gone beyond a level. Like I never even imagined once YouTube became a thing. It's just like, okay, well, here's everyone who knows something competent about video, really showing their love for Mega Man in this way. Mm-hmm. But it's not so bad in the Mega Man fandom, but I do find that fandoms in general are more, now that we're all connected on social media, we tend to be more uh, focused on the creators and the choices they make in their stuff. And sometimes it can get really messy. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely a downside of modern fandom. Yeah, I see. Like, I'll go on Twitter and I'll see like somebody like, oh, uh, you know, Horse Goblin Twenty Two, and like he's trending. I'm like, who's that? And, and inevitably, some YouTuber I've never heard of, but apparently, is the most popular thing in this one yeah. particular fandom. Yeah, and that's not really a world I'm part of anymore. No, I'm. I mean. I, I'm here for the old people who want to like, you know, talk to me and stuff like that. That's cool. And Hey, if you're younger and you want to talk to me, by all means, I, I, I won't bite you, but I am not really into the, the YouTuber scene. When, as you said, people say, Oh, so-and-so is trending. Oh, because he has beef with so-and-so. I don't care. Yeah. Nothing to do or with said me, something but... racist or exactly. Yeah. But you're right. That's inevitably tied into the fandoms because people say, Oh, what do you expect from the, the call of duty fandom? What do you expect from the mm-hmm. whatever fandom? So yeah, that's a, uh, people are giving these games identities for better or for worse it comes with this weird tribalism kind of associated with very very tribalism like you and i of course were old enough to remember Mm -hmm. console wars Mm -hmm. oh they're back baby like they're they're, they're back back in a big way full force and i don't know why (laughs) i can uglier than ever like we were i know i was insufferable because i was like a total nintendo kid and you had the fights on the playgrounds, blah, blah, blah. But that was very much regulated to one spot. And the console wars were actually mean in the 90s. Sega and Nintendo generally like, did not get along at all. Right. Nowadays, the, the kids are like, oh, you Sony pony. Oh, you Xbox. And Sony and, and Microsoft are fine with each other. They work with each other. Uh, Nintendo mm-hmm. works with both of them. Like, 
it's so much more chill with between the corporations now, but the mm-hmm. fans are like, ah, blah, blah, blah. and, and I'm going to turn down the free marketing though. Like, no, that's, no, exactly. Yeah. This is all just playing right into their marketing schemes, but exactly. Like, don't do it kids. Like by mm-hmm. all means, love your systems. I, of course, always be a Nintendo fan, but I, I like my Xbox or the Xbox I got for David just fine. I, I like mm-hmm. my PS5. It's great, but don't fight for them. Don't be their they're heralds. They don't need it. They're, they're not coming to your house and giving you a free Xbox. Like I, I learned that the heart as a kid, like, and I think it's a lesson all kids have to learn at some point. Don't yeah. stand that hard for your corporations. I think even they discourage it on occasion, not mm-hmm. too hard or anything, but yeah. But guys, stop. Don't. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, gee, get along. Oh, I'm going to be here. No, you're right. Like David, like they, uh, you know, you have Microsoft going out and talking about like, Hey, you know, go enjoy whatever games you want to enjoy. And yeah, exactly. um, that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, it's, you know, we just saw, uh, you know, uh, a Sony PlayStation studios game released on Xbox with MLB the show. Like that was wild. Yeah, mm-hmm. The first time I booted that up, I'm like, well, this is the world we're living in now. <laughs> like, yeah, no, exactly. Um, all right. So uh, I, I did ask for some questions on Twitter. And let me just tell you, I got I, I do this often with interviews that I do. You two got the most questions <laughs> out of anybody that I've ever interviewed on this show. Um, and so yeah, it's a good thing you asked before we just trash talk to all the people on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they, yeah, they don't know this yet. So you got a couple of days. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm gonna. So I'm not gonna be able to get to them all. Um, I do want to thank everybody who sent something in. Um, but there are a few that I want to uh, mention. Uh, we'll start with uh, from Twitter user at Jaco Jack, who says that he's had the book pre-ordered for a while and he's ready to get his hands on it. Aw, thank um, you. Thank you very he, much. He asked, "Who is the worst Maverick, and why is it Tornado Tunyon?" <laughs> That's so bad. Okay. After a fresh memory on Tornado Tunyon, real quick, but go ahead. Three, maybe four words. I don't know how it parses out. Mega Man X7. Because, I mean, that's just pretty much... It's either that or X6 is the bottom point. And I don't know. There's some stuff in X6 that I can enjoy playing. If he'd been in a 2D game, maybe he would have been, you know, a little better. I mean, every every X game has its joke, Maverick. Like, Wire Sponge, whatever Mm -hmm. mushroom he was called, Split Mushroom. And I think Tornado Tunyon was supposed to be the... Uh, joke Maverick for X7 and as David said first of all X7 was terrible so it was going to go bad from the start and it did the voice acting for the character was just a, a choice that they made all the voice acting in that game was a choice I don't even remember what his voice acting was like it was terrible was it? here I go it's so cool I make wall yeah around and around I whip your butt ah! you didn't like it well, <laughs> him and Vanishing Gungaroo were both bad I mean, Heinard, like, you know, takes the crown, but... All the Mavericks in that game are terrible, but yeah, Tornado Tunyon is... Uh, Stone Kong was okay. Stone Kong was all right, but Tornado Tunyon, he's just, like, loud, spinny, I'm funny because I say random words sort of mm-hmm. character. Uh, he looks more like a pumpkin than an onion. I'm just going to put it does, out there. He? Yeah, because he's orange, really, is the reason, yeah. but... Wasn't Wire Sponge supposed to be a sea cucumber? I forget. Wire Sponge was a sea cucumber, yeah. Did, did, you, did you cover him or did I? I didn't cover him. I think I did. Okay, well, anyway... Well, then, of course, you had uh, X5 where all the Mavericks were named after members of Guns N' Roses. <laughs> I and... still love that to this day. I do, too. Like, I refuse. Like, I know that I think they renamed them for the Legacy Collection version, if I recall yeah, correctly. Yeah. And I think that was a mistake. At least give me the option. OK. And on that note, I think that's a pretty good segue uh, to mention something about the book. All yes. names are valid in the book. Oh, nice. 
We we have aliases for any characters who have them. Um, try to kind of, you know, fit it in as best as we can. Maybe not highlight it too much in some cases, but like, um, like for, gosh, I'm trying to think. Um, like we would have the, like I see Pinguigo and Ch- like as an alias for Chill Penguin. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to the uh, Guns N' Roses Mavericks from X5, we'd like basically have, I think their current English name, also known as their Japanese name and comma, uh, the GNR name or nice, vice nice. versa. So, you know, so it's, it lives on. It lives yeah. on. Duff McLean will live on. I love it. Doesn't mean it's like, you know, you look at some of the stuff these guys are up to and it's like, okay, yeah, an alias would make sense. Axel Rose Red. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, so. I don't know if we figure out who the worst Maverick is, but there's certainly no shortage of bad ones. Um, no, and Tornado Tunnel is certainly, it, I would give him my vote for one of the worst. Yeah, and, and I feel like in all the Mega Man games, at least the first two that had the, the Robot Masters of the Maverick Hunters, or the Mavericks as the, as the bosses, as they go on, you can definitely see them running out of ideas. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, the first few, like, okay, right on top of it, everyone's kind of classic. They're all, like, you know, memorable, yeah. iconic. And then by, like, five or six, they're like, we're just throwing stuff at the wall we have like we're tired we have been here we haven't seen our families in weeks we just need <laughs> to get this out the door before they make us come back and work on the next one because for a while exactly. they were coming out like almost annually which is so weird now because yeah. you know uh, the, like it, it was a running gag that there's a new Mega Man game every year and we got so sick of Mega Man then they took them away and now it's like it you know it, it's like a um you know uh uh, the, the, the Coca-Cola, like the new Coke, right? We didn't like yeah. the new Coke and we took it away. And now people are like, I want the new Coke back. I want the new Coke. Yeah. You hated it. We, we, we yeah. thought it was bad in the like around the turn of the century where it had been years since X4 came out and we ha- didn't have X5 yet. And I remember the legitimate fandom panic is, oh, all we're going to get from now on is Mega Man Legends. Huh, yeah, I wish. That didn't happen. <laughs> no, Mega Man Legends is one of those series. Like I, I bought the 3DS because Mega Man Legends 3 was going to uh, be. What a sorry. fool I was! It was I mean, Not it still turned out to be really great, but that yeah. first year was dire, and I were just like, oh, if I would have known this wasn't going to come out, I probably would have waited. But I got those Ambassador games, so I got you know whatever. Me too. I, can play, yeah. I can play Wario Land. Yeah, it's it's great. Can never take that away. That they didn't release the demo. I think that was the bare minimum yeah. promised bare minimum asked yeah they were supposed to release the demo and then use feedback to gauge whether or not they're going to make another one then they didn't even bother releasing the demo so yeah anyway i'm not i'm not mad about it anymore (laughs) just um just just yeah just disappointed so thank you jaco jack for that one um and i let me pull this back up real quick here um here uh dr uh severin justin perot a friend of mine uh who will be on the show at some point i'm sure um, asks, what would a new Mega Man game need to do to be successful in this modern era? Hmm. Gotcha. No, no. <laughs> They're already doing that. Gosh, I don't know. Because here's, the, I'm not a game designer. I don't really know what makes a good game. I mean, I guess I do just by, by instinct because uh, I, I play a game and it's good. If it's bad, I say, okay, this sucks. I'm not going to play it anymore. Uh, but I don't know what the kids are into. Like, should it come installed with someone like a, a VTuber in the corner yakking as <laughs> you play or something like that that could actually work though i think like even as somebody who's that whole world mystifies and terrifies me um i might be like yeah if you had a mega man that's just like mega man x was just like uh you know i don't know duo or somebody yammering away in the corner offering commentary i'd play that 
They did that. Her name was Alia. I What's mean, that? like, I'm. I said they did that. Her name was Alia. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. But like, but funny. I don't know. Like, you know, instead yeah, of just like, like interrupting me every five seconds. Actual commentary. Running yeah. commentary. Yeah. That would be. Oh, that'd be yeah. so fun. That'd be strange, but I'd I'd play it. I'd play any X game. I mean, they what have been kind do? of working towards that. Like they're the like hints in the uh, Japanese PS One versions of the um, that were like I think in Mega Man Anniversary Collection and here and there. Uh, they added navigators in uh, X Eight, so you know you got different people telling you different stuff through the stages. Uh, I mean, it's it's something that could happen theoretically. So yeah, there's my answer. VTuber installed. Yeah. In Twitch game. plays Mega Man. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be a disaster, but that'd be amazing. It'd be compelling. <laughs> it would like, be like a watching an alligator eat a pig. You can't turn away, right? Because if you could, okay. So you know what I'm thinking is, okay. So Mega Man has a tradition, as uh, traditionally, especially the original series, less so X, but it has a long-standing tradition of being insanely difficult, right? Um, never quite unfair, though. In some games, it really rides that line. Yeah. Um, I'm suddenly envisioning a more sadistic Mario Maker. Where if you play the game on stream, people can add enemies and obstacles and stuff as you go. Um, And you're trying to kind of like move through the level. And, you know, like if you if you can beat the bad guys, like you shoot, like blow this guy up, you know, maybe you can stop them from adding a block or something. So you can. Right. That's interesting. I don't know. Mega Man is not the place for that, but I think that could be kind of an interesting design. I don't know how you'd make it work, but I also don't know how to make video games. I think I do. Because randomizers are a thing, and they're pretty That's popular true. with streaming. And uh, we've already had in Mega Man Powered Up, they did have like you know a create a thing, like create levels. They were uh, working on that with Mega Man Universe, but that just kind oh, yeah. of uh, fell apart. Uh, Proto Dude uh, Rockman Corner, he's got a whole thing about like what happened, a timeline of how that started, and ended up just falling apart. That he posted really recently, so uh, I recommend checking that out. Um, what is it? Rockman-corner.com? I think so. Well, Google Rockman Corner. You'll find it. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a possible thing that could happen. Maybe so I've got one more here. Um, and this kind of ties in the fact that, you know, as you mentioned, uh, there are. OK, actually, I'm going to go with this one. Set. All right. Um, <laughs> so one of the running gags in the fandoms for the Metal Gear series and the Mega Man series is that the Mega Man X enemies and the Metal Gear Solid enemies have basically the same <laughs> naming structure. Yes. Uh, you know, if, if you didn't know, you know, Decoy Octopus, is he a Mega Man guy or a Metal Gear guy? Sniper Wolf, same thing. Yeah. So which uh, so Roto 13 asks <laughs> which member of Foxhound would be the coolest Maverick? Decoy Octopus, Sniper Wolf, Vulcan Raven, Psycho Mantis, Revolver Ocelot or Liquid Snake? I'm always good. My answer is always Revolver Ocelot. I want an Ocelot just so I can name it Revolver. I like that. Or I, I, I did think about um, when we were, we were starting to adopt, like, because we started the process of adopting cats. I'm like, if I got a uh. cat, could I name it Shalashaska? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and it would just make me happy. I don't know. I care about anybody else. So before I answer, I do want to say I do. I remember there used to be a website that was like a Mega Man X slash Metal Gear Solid name generator. Yeah, yeah. That would combine mm-hmm. like you know a, that was made by uh, Solid Sharky. Oh, I don't yeah, know if that's yeah. still around anymore, but that was good. It was good. Yeah. Like you'd hit refresh and it produced like a different name each time. Now, as for the answer, it's like, okay, are we just basically taking the name and making a Maverick concept out of it, or are I think we you like, can kind of take it however you want. Because I think. I don't know about the character so much, but I think a liquid snake could be really interesting animation wise, if nothing mm-hmm. else. 
with what you could probably do with that. But what the naming convention Mega Man X usually does, you probably get like snake liquid, <laughs> which sounds like snake pee. That's <laughs> yeah, funny. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you all for sending questions in. And uh, I've got one more, but it's probably a bit longer. Well, all right, I'll just ask it real quick. Okay. Um, one of the things that comes out of a lot of Mega Man series is that each one has its own timeline and they're kind of related and arguably, um, you know, sequels to each other in some respects, uh, which which begs the question. David Waltermeyer asks, what happens to rock and roll the original Mega Man and his robot sister, I guess, for lack of a better term in the X timeline and come to think of it. I don't know. Was that ever actually explained? Where did this highly advanced robot? With all of these martial capabilities, go, you know, a thousand years into the future. He's just not there. First of all, I wrote a timeline breakdown for Mega Man over on usgamer.net when I was still there. Um, I think I called it like Mega Man's most interesting character is a reploid who falls in love with a human, because that was Andrew in, in Mega Man. In Mega Man Zero, he talks mm-hmm. to you about his past life. And oh, yeah. if you talk to him and put together his stories and talk to other NPCs across the other games, you kind of flesh out what a lot of what happened between like X and uh, zero, the, um, the series. And it's really interesting, but as for Mega Man and roll, like there was so, 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 so many fan theories back in the day. Like that's what everyone wrote back in the day, practically. And we just never got any official confirmation of anything. I, the only thing I know about that bridge in between is like, and I don't know, I know this is canon, but I don't know where, where it's been like verified, is that Dr. Wily would kind of activate Zero and talk to him the way that um, he talked to Mega Man, Wily, uh, sorry, that Light talked to Mega Man X. But apparently he didn't let Zero go because Zero turned out to be like violent and he didn't listen to directions or anything like that. So he just kind of, I guess, left him like a, a feral dog in the, in the warehouse or whatever. But that's the only real connection we have is Zero between Wily and, and, uh, rock and roll and everyone is really kind of a shame because everybody wants that explained but then on the other hand some people are like you know what don't explain it we yeah. the mystery's okay i'm just imagining like you know like in maverick hunter x like you're talking about with light and x just as zeros like just head shoulders and like nothing else and just like you know anytime wiley gets a finger too close like he's like <coughs> just, you know trying <laughs> to bite him. him but um okay yeah officially there's nothing there's at this rate, there may never be within a Fune out of the picture. It's hard to say how the uh, uh, perception and within Capcom has changed on that. But to this point, Mega Man has been such a different series from everything that follows. Um, you're not going to see a Mega Man X soccer, for example. Mega Man plays a much more mascot style role mm-hmm. out of the whole franchise. And basically it can the story can just kind of go, you know, like in perpetuity as long as they want it's like mario or sonic or what have you Mm -hmm. so there's probably not going to be a definitive end at least in that series i always thought in the x series and maybe this is going to date me a little bit but do you remember batman beyond return of the joker yes yeah and like how that basically tied up the whole batman robin joker thing with like you know a flashback kind of thing Mm -hmm. i think something like that could work just it would let you keep making Mega Man games as long as you want, but at the same time puts kind of a capstone on it. They actually did something like that in the Mega Man Zero series for the X series, so that might be the best way to go about it. Yeah, the, and... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, it's fine. Go ahead. 
Okay, the, the fandom, I know a popular theory that uh, KJ and Afune had debunked was the whole cataclysm theory, which is zero comes to life, kills everyone. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the Bob and George uh, webcomic uh, really popularized oh, that nice one. Throwback. Yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, if it was me, like I had my own idea for it. I haven't really gotten to elaborate on it, but it's like more or less the idea is Wiley, you know, he kind of, figures, okay, this isn't working. He goes to focus on zero and basically goes into hiding. He lets the good guys think they've won peace. You know, you got your hundred years or whatever. And Mega Man and like, you know, his crew, they end up, uh, say, Duo comes back to Earth and they basically go off into space and like, you know, fight for everlasting peace there because, you know, the big threat on Earth is gone and like continues his work there. And I think it's got potential to just kind of like, you know, give them kind of a, ongoing open ending the adventure continues kind of thing while letting x and everything that comes after they have to go duo's planet needs them yeah. <laughs> but hopefully they didn't die on the way back to its own planet and certainly less depressing the alternative which is that the Mega Man x world is terrible and everything is destroyed and awful and all the human, yeah. all the humans live underground and it's very easy to imagine a world in which uh, which the original Mega Man and roll died were destroyed in that process yeah. so but i like i like the going to another planet theory much more personally yeah. <laughs> yeah um so we uh probably have to wrap it up here um and uh i just want to thank you both and honestly we'll probably have thank to do you. this again because there's still a lot we can talk about oh um, yeah with all this stuff like i said we got like three or four extra episodes out of this um but uh you know where can folks find your work and you know what can they you know if they like the book they want to check it out or want to check out the other stuff you're doing um what uh plug away okay nadia this is the moment we've been working for <laughs> <laughs> let's give it a bump you know okay so if people want more of my shenanigans you can find me on twitter at lbd underscore n-y-t-e-t-r-a-y-n and you can also find some of my assorted writings Besides places like Nintendo Force and uh, whatnot that I've mentioned, uh, I write on poisonmushroom.org. And hopefully I'll have uh, the Mega Man Network back sooner than later. Uh, TBD on that one. It's been an ongoing process. Oh, has it been an ongoing process? I look forward to seeing it come back for sure. And I can be found uh, primarily on the Acts of the Blood God podcast, which, again, is an RPG podcast. We go over RPGs, Eastern, Western, Old, and New. You can support us and listen to us at patreon.com forward slash bloodgodpod. We have free episodes, of course, so you're welcome to those. And if you like them, by all means, please support us. Uh, Again, I do a Final Fantasy XIV podcast under under the Blood God umbrella. It's called Charlie and Dropouts. It's just started, but I think, you know, now's a good time to jump in. Everyone's really Final Fantasy XIV crazy right now. And other than that, you can uh, find my writing here and there. Like I just recently wrote a, an article for Inverse about how Romeo and Juliet, the 1996 movie, inspired pretty much every Final Fantasy game that came after it. Uh, so that was a fun thing to write. Uh, please look that up. That's on my list. I got I got to sit down and read it. Oh. I haven't gotten to it yet, but I'm going. And my Twitter is at Nadia Oxford. It's at Nadia Oxford. That's it. And of course, there's the book. I don't know if you have a plug set for that or. No plug right now. Yeah, uh, the Mega Man X Maverick Hunters Field Guide. That will be available soon uh, if you've pre-ordered it from Amazon. It should Apparently, it's on its way to you right now. Play. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be found so. in comic stores, better bookstores. You know, just look around. It shouldn't be too hard to find. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, there's also the Mega Man Robot Master Field Guide updated edition, which includes all the Robot Masters up through Mega Man 11. 
And I can tell you, if you are interested in learning more about these characters in this world, great place yeah. to start. So, Please do. Uh, David Oxford, Naughty Oxford, thank you both so much for being on the show. I will definitely have to have you back if you are willing uh, sure. to just talk about more of this kind of stuff, because honestly, this is the uh the space in which uh my head lives most of the time <laughs> so uh thank you both for being on serious fun thank you thank you and that will do it for another episode of serious fun i'd like to once again thank my special guests david and nadia oxford and remind you because david reminded me it was one of the things they did not get to like i said they're very very prolific folks um they also have a twitch channel that's twitch.tv slash nightworks that's n-y-t-e works uh and you can go there and watch david and nadia play various video games i think they usually do it on friday nights i could be wrong on that um so this is another thing they do and uh definitely checking out i've watched some of the streams they're a lot of fun so that will do it for serious fun this week i like to once again remind you that serious fun is a production of phoenix studios at the university of wisconsin green bay phoenix studios executive producer is ryan martin and the production manager is the award-winning kate farley our audio production coordinator is Bill Salek. Uh, this episode produced and edited and engineered by me, so thank you, me. Our graphic designer, who made the fantastic logo you're looking at if you're listening to this on your phone and staring at your phone, is Kimberly Vlees. Uh, special thanks once again to David and Nadia Oxford. If you haven't already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Serious Fun on your favorite podcast platform, whatever that might be. You can also head over to the website at uwgb.edu forward slash podcasts to check out past episodes of this and all of the other Phoenix Studios shows. I'm your host, Brian Carr. Thanks for listening. You just listened to a Phoenix Studio production, the podcast network for the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. For more podcasts, please visit uwgb.edu forward slash podcasts.